Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Yes, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Uh, today, I'm joined by an absolutely fantastic guest. He really doesn't need any introduction. You know him well over from uh, his his work over at Being Libertarian. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Nicholas Wieser. Nicholas, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Absolutely. And I, it's funny. Here we are. We're getting ready to, to start the show today. And I didn't even realize you're just a hop, skip, and a jump over in Westchester. And here I am in Philadelphia. We could have done this in person. It would have probably been even better. Yeah, right? I know, man. <laughs> well, we'll have to get together at some point. Absolutely. I mean, you're just a, a shot away there on, uh, on 76. But uh, to start off, I, I want to first, again, thank you for taking the time to join me on the show. Obviously, you know, uh, it's it's a rainy Thursday night here as we're recording. Um but really what inspired me to to reach out to you to have this interview to start off is I want my 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 folks here at the Brian Nichols show to number one get to know who you are uh, but then I really wanted to discuss uh, as we've we've talked about the the better way for libertarians uh, you know not only just in the libertarian party but also just within the grand liberty movement to reach out beyond our own echo chambers to to actually talk to real people out in the world and convince them with our our ideas and our arguments um, and obviously, you doing a phenomenal job with your video series at Being Libertarian. I thought, hey, who, who better, better that to speak to this than someone like someone like you? So to start off, though, I wanted again my my audience to get to know who you are as a person, and and really what brought you to the Grand Liberty Movement as you are today. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I got uh, so I've I've had a long career in media and television production. I was executive vice president for a television production company for 11 years, uh, built a great career, invested in a tech firm, and was sued by the Florida state government for $10 million and uh, totally destroyed me, destroyed everything that I had worked for. And uh, it was around 2000, well, it was the, the end of 2016 where really everything had come to a head. And, uh, I was looking into the Libertarian Party because I was so shattered. I was so frustrated by the whole thing. And I started looking into the Gary Johnson campaign because it was during the the Trump, Clinton, Johnson thing. And I was watching some of the content that I was seeing. And I was like, oh, my God, what? This is the third largest <laughs> political party in the country. What's going on here? This is crazy. Why is this not better? So it really it was all of those things. It was it was being railroaded by the government having my life upended. I mean, literally, I was I could have been a top donor for the Libertarian Party. I went from that to losing everything overnight. Jeez. Not overnight, but, you know, within a span of a few years. So it was it was so clear what I had to do. And that was my my wife and I formed a production company around the liberty movement. And that was to create better content and try to break out of the echo chamber, as we talked about a little bit, just breaking out of the echo chamber and getting as many people to understand the principles of liberty as possible. Because what was so strange from my standpoint is I started looking at 
you know, just the way that I started viewing the world, my worldview after going through what I had gone through and everything that I sort of knew growing up and understanding about life and the world and the way it worked. And it aligned directly with the Libertarian Party. I didn't need to read Mises <laughs> or, you know, Ayn Rand or I didn't need that. I it just it aligned perfectly. So that was my intro. It was too real because it you were living it. I, I it's funny because I had my kind of come to Jesus moment back in in I'd say it was after the 2012 election with Mitt Romney versus Barack Obama, and I I kept on hearing people after the election say I wanted to vote for Mitt Romney. It's just I wanted to vote for someone who was more socially accepting, socially not necessarily progressive, but just kind of do what you want so long as you're not hurting somebody else and i was like you know what i would love to see the republican party do that and i started in my mind i was like oh, i'm gonna be a new age republican we're gonna promote the ideas of fiscal conservatism and responsibility with with social acceptance and understanding and then, and then i started to listen to more to ron paul and, and his son Rand paul and i was like hey wait a minute they're what's libertarian they keep on saying this word libertarian and i started to dig more and more i was like oh that's that's what I am. That's that's exactly what I am. But then I, I started getting involved more and more into the the big L, the the Libertarian Party politics. And then I was like, oh, okay. Now I see why it's the third largest part party, and it hasn't gotten past that <laughs> moniker since well ever. So to that, I think you and I are going to kind of uh, diagnose this with the same issue that's taking place. But I want to hear from from you first. What what would you say is the main issue right now that the Grand Libertarian Party is having in terms of reaching these voters beyond the echo chambers of the traditional liberty movement? Sure. Well, I mean, first of all, we all have an opinion, right? And and who's to say that we would do any better if we were, you know, let's say on the LNC or anything like that? But at the end of the day, if you really break down the biggest problem that I see overall, having worked with countless candidates, organizations across the board for liberty, the biggest problem that I see overall is their need to overcomplicate the message, no matter what. In fact, I just saw, I don't know if you saw this, there was this ridiculous video that came out and it was a little while ago, I think it was about six months ago, and there was this guy who was talking about libertarianism he says the free market take the wheel and he takes his hands off of it and he goes into this whole long spiel about how libertarianism is a bunch of selfish people and oh should, yeah and like, it was the um it was uh, uh oh goodness uh piker i think hassan piker from um from the the turks the no, um yeah it wasn't that guy but it was another guy it's not, but, it wasn't him because i know he did a whole monologue a little bit ago about libertarians yeah i know i know which one I know which one you're talking about, but Freedom Tunes, which I, I usually like. I like Freedom Tunes a lot. They did this. I don't know if you've seen any of their stuff, but they kind of oh, yeah. uh, mocked. <laughs> They're great. Yeah. They mocked this guy and they were, you know, just going, answering questions and going through everything. And even they, who seem to be very simple at times and are really good at getting the message across, still went on this long diatribe every time they were up against one of their point one of the this this guy's points and it was amazing to me how much they had to overcomplicate this while they were making while they were doing this 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 particular segment and that is the problem overall it doesn't matter what it is they want to make 
their videos longer. They want to fit more information in. They want because I think it's because they feel like they've been silenced for so long. 25 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds isn't enough to get an important message out. And if we can shorten that, that is the key, I think, across the board. Uh, obviously, there's a million other things. There's If you've ever been to a Libertarian Party meeting, it's crazy how often people <laughs> just argue about the bylaws and they literally will get into an hour-long argument over the most ridiculous thing. It's stuff that doesn't uh, matter, honestly. Like it, it's, it's, it's arguing about things that within our movement seem important, but to people outside, it's, it's just – it's white noise. They don't care. Exactly. Which is the same thing with the inner battles, the fights. You know, you had said something uh, that you had had um, Alex Merced and Alexander from uh, the Republican Liberty Caucus on. And, you know, that's that's the interesting thing. Right. If you look at the Libertarian Party, you've got people who have all the right ideas, but they have no ability to deliver it. And when they do, it's always in an convoluted, overcomplicated way. Then you've got the Republicans who are wrong on so many issues, but at least they know how to, to deliver a message. So it's kind of like, where do you where do you go with that? Right. Right. I mean, that's that's a, that's the unfortunate part. I know a lot of people who think that the, the key and the path to getting liberty hard in our lifetime is through the Republican Party. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I've kind of gotten to that conclusion in, in some regards myself. So I actually, I, I always like to, it, it, I've said this before, my show is kind of like this never ending like wave of things connecting with each other. So I actually had uh, Dean Clancy, former White House policy advisor and, and VP of FreedomWorks on my show back in February. And we actually had this very conversation about what's the role of the Libertarian Party when trying to elect uh, liberty candidates and what's the best way to elect liberty candidates and and Dean and I kind of came to the consensus that as much as the Lib- I'm sorry as much as the Republican Party has so many faults within its p- greater platform and principles it has the infrastructure it has the ability to then take these specific candidates like a Justin Amash or a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey and then give them the infrastructure to promote libertarian ideals under the moniker of the larger Republican Party. So and then what? But what happens, though, when you've got people like because I agree with you, but Thomas Massey, Justin Amash and Rand Paul, they are and let's include Ben Sass in there. We can include some others. They are they've been in Congress for quite some time. And what has changed? I mean, granted, some people say that Rand is the Trump whisperer and some of the the positive things that Trump has done that's come out of the, this particular White House has been, been because of Rand. But you really have to ask yourself, are they really changing things that much? Are they disrupting things that much? Or is it really just lip service? Now, I would argue that some are a little bit maybe more influential or stick to their principles a little bit more than others. But, you know, I mean, ha- yeah. do we need a majority? Do we need a majority uh, of liberty people in Congress, in the Senate, in order for us to actually get to that point, which, by the way, one of our, our best clients and one of my very good friends in the liberty movement, Cliff Maloney Jr., is exactly what he's building. But I don't know. You know? Yeah. And I, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer at this point. Um, I think and this is just my perspective is the the larger liberty movement is so 
It's so decentralized to the extent that it's it doesn't have the weight behind the messaging to unify candidates to vote for a particular, let's say, libertarian candidate from the Libertarian Party or a libertarian candidate within the Republican Party to actually make substantive changes in policy. But it gives people like Justin Amash and Thomas Massey and Rand Paul, and, and yeah, we can throw in people like Ben uh, Ben Sass or or heck, even go back to the good old days of Ron Paul, where maybe they're not achieving a lot of policy positions, but they're able to use their platform to, to then reach a larger audience and then maybe change some minds to then help inspire more people to vote for candidates that hopefully reflect the more limited government, liberty-oriented individuals that we're looking for. Want to support The Brian Nichols Show? Please consider making a one-time PayPal donation at Show at gmail.com or join the Patreon at Liberty. Sure, because you've got somebody like Gary Johnson who's obviously uh, doing pretty well in his Senate race in New Mexico. If he were to win, what could, could he accomplish anything as, as one libertarian senator? I doubt he could, honestly. He could change some minds. Yep. Maybe. I mean... But liberty is not. Listen, listen, liberty is not very popular right now. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Unfortunately, we're living in a an environment in a society right now where people look to their leaders. They look to their government for answers. Something bad happens. There ought to be a law. Look, watch what happens after this limo crash, which I have no idea how all 20 people on board that limo crash. I mean, I obviously I feel absolutely terrible terrible, for their families and their their friends and family. I mean, it's just terrible. Um, But you know that people are looking for solutions, laws to fix it right now. They, and, and unfortunately that is what we have cultivated in our society. And in order to take that back, that is, that is a process, man. As we, as we both know, right. We engage in it every single day. Well, because a lot of it's based on emotion. I mean, we had easily one of the best liberty, uh, liberty candidates in Larry Sharp, who he's he's made waves. I'm I'm originally from upstate New York, and uh, I had people who are from my home area, and they're like, "Hey, I know you're in this whole libertarian thing. Have you ever heard of Larry Sharp?" And I'm like, "Have I heard of Larry Sharp? Yeah, he was on my show a couple months ago." And and they're like, "I I'm a Republican. I hate Andrew Cuomo. I want to vote for the Republican, but like this guy." He, He's he's got he's got something with him that just I want to vote for him. And I'm like, yeah, because he's telling you the truth and he's not he's not pandering to you and he's not feeding into the emotional appeal of, you know, oh, here's a problem. I'm going to fix it. He's saying, no, the whole system is wrong. It's it's broken. And we need to have somebody go in and completely throw out the system to, to, to try something new. And like Larry's on Joe Rogan and and Joe, there's a uh, one point in the conversation where uh, the discussion turned towards education and Joe Rogan was having trouble trying to, to comprehend the idea that, wait, you're going to cut how many billion dollars from education in New York state. And the idea of like, Oh, we're taking this money away. It, and Larry hit the nail on the head. He's you're this is the problem. Your, your reaction's based on fear. It's not based on, you know, what, what are we actually getting from X amount of dollars going to the schools is Every reaction to, like you said, the limo incident up in New York. And the, for those of you who aren't aware, there's a terrible limo accident up in upstate New York where a limo is going down the road. Ends up there was a uh, an issue with the, the limo itself where it wasn't supposed to be on the road. Ends up careening down this cliff, uh, hits two people in a parking lot, rolls over, kills all 18 people inside. 
So people want to see government fix these issues based on their emotional desires. And I just, I don't know, like you, you're, you mentioned as well, I don't know, how do we, how do we use the emotion and then to be able to focus it towards productive recourse where we're actually making policy that's going to, to re, you know, re, take government back some and then give more power to the people in their individual lives to make decisions and more power ultimately to the free market to you know decide what does and what does not work. Enjoying today's episode? Take a second to share today's episode with family and friends on social media. Want to do even more? Swing over to iTunes and give The Brian Nichols Show a rate and review. We stop acting like emotionless idiots. I mean, that's I think that's like the beginning of it, because unfortunately, you see people's response to things. And unfortunately, I mean, I get disgusted with libertarians and the way that they are so cut and dry scientific about everything. As far as Larry's concerned, I mean, obviously, he's doing a phenomenal job up there. Uh, it helps that Mark Molinaro is not a very popular uh, Republican candidate. So I think a lot of Republicans are looking for alternatives, but he's doing a phenomenal job. He's obviously a friend of mine. And, you know, I think that and I heard him on Rogan and I think they spent probably more than it didn't just turn towards education. They were on education yeah. <laughs> for a very, very long time, probably too long. And I think it would have it. I don't think it was necessarily Larry, necessarily Larry, but I think in general to be able to appeal to what Rogan was actually interested in 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 understanding and and these teachers and how they feel like they don't make enough. First of all, in New York, they do. They make plenty. Mm-hmm. There, all these the laws that have been put in place, it's crazy. But being able to appeal a little bit more to the emotion, and if they and if we don't, by the way, cut bait. I think two of the things. Educate, and I, he should have cut bait, by the way. But education and, uh, in general, healthcare are two issues that number one we are going to lose on every single time, and number two we should stay away from those two conversations when it comes to anything having to do with uh, a political conversation or just running for office. Any of our candidates across the country, because at the end of the day. People want to know that their family is going to be taken care of education, health care, education, health care. And we can start to pick away at those things once we get into a position where we can actually pick away at those things. Mm-hmm. Well, now here's the uh, here's the, the million dollar question. So obviously, back in 2016, one of Gary Johnson's biggest uh, biggest pushes was to say, just help me get into the debates. Just just get me into the debates and then. Then we'll be able to, to stand up against Hillary and, and, and Donald Trump with some legitimacy. And then I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous now because, well, you know, what if we get a libertarian on the debate stage and then the, the, the you know, the, the person turns and says, okay, Mr. Mrs. Libertarian, what, what's your position on, on healthcare or what's your position on education? What's, what's kind of like the, um, I don't want to say like the elevator pitch, but I mean, more or less, what can a libertarian say that will keep people from losing their minds, but at the same point in time, be able to stick with the concepts of libertarianism as it pertains to how we actually would want to approach healthcare or education or any of those hot button emotional the, topics? Sure. The only way that healthcare will ever be fixed in this country is by allowing a true free market to take shape and to take and to take the wheel and to be able to actually uh, allow those things to thrive 
And until that time, until we can do that, until we're sure that there will be no crony capitalism, that there will be no that that we can eliminate all of the subsidies, all of the tax incentives, until we can do that, I'm not going to touch anything about your health care until we make sure that those things are removed. And that's my primary goal is to make sure that we take the the, the cronyism out of our society and out of our our healthcare. That would be the first one. And and you can basically use that same formula across the board. So and until such time, I'm not going to touch anything until such time. I'm not going to touch anything. First, we address the problem. Right. And I think that's the issue is that a lot of people want there to be this, you know, oh, this is what the person's going to do. Like there there has to be this definitive next step. Like I'm my day job. I'm a communications consultant in, in sales. There's always what's the next step. And everybody, when they're casting their vote, it's like, okay, I'm basically, I'm making the purchase. This is who I'm, I'm purchasing for my candidate for, you know, the next two years, four years, six years. And a lot of people want to hear, okay, what's, what am I getting in return for my investment? And they want to hear that next step. What's the candidate right. going to And the to next step do? is that I'm not going to, and that's the point because we're wrong. We're, we're in the minority on healthcare. Like we both know that the only way that the healthcare is, that healthcare is ever going to be back to the way it should be in this country is to have a true free market. But that's so we're so far removed from that. I mean, it's it's right. It's so, it's all it's all over the place. Right. Exactly. So so the fact that we're not going to touch it and we're not, and it's not even going to you don't need to worry about it at this point because we're not going to we're not going to take away Obamacare, which is why I think that Trump in some ways he's trying he was trying to fulfill a campaign promise, but I think he's happy that healthcare is off his plate, that, that they got that oh, vote absolutely. out of the way and that it, because he knows that there is no real solution without ripping it all apart and starting over. That's the thing. Some of these things there is no but there is one thing that you can do right away. You can start you can start um, taking care of our criminal justice system. You can start looking at reforms for our criminal justice system. You can start immediately looking into decriminalization of uh, marijuana, at least, and pot- potentially other Schedule One drugs. You can immediately start looking at there are even economic policies. Unfortunately, we just we we have a tendency to get in the weeds. I mean, really, where does that conversation ever go? We know where that conversation goes. That conversation goes where that conver- that where Larry's conversation went with Joe Rogan. And that's around in circles when it comes to education. That conversation always goes around in circles when it comes to some of those things, because at the end of the day, people want to know that their family's healthy and educated. Connect with Brian on Twitter and Facebook at B. Nichols Liberty and send your comments and questions to the Brian Nichols Show at gmail.com. So uh, let's um, let's turn our attention. And by the way, I'm not a socialist or anything. You know, I'm just (laughs) I'm just I'm just just telling you, I'm just telling you what people want to hear. I'm not telling you what I think, you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like, that's why I think your experience and your perspective is so important, because you this is what you do this is how, like your job is based on being able to communicate with people and telling them things that sometimes are hard to hear but in a way that's going to be easy to digest or at least understand so that kind of goes to where i want to to phase the second part of our conversation is going forward obviously 2018 i i'm a little 
cautiously, cautiously optimistic for for Larry up in New York, but also for Gary down in New Mexico. There's a few other libertarian candidates throughout the United States that I think have a chance to make some headway. But I think we need to really start looking at how we're going to not necessarily market to candidates in the federal level, but more local level. So based on your experience, what would you say is the best way to, I guess, take libertarian or just liberty, uh, the liberty messaging and to convey it to people through obviously not overcomplicating the message or, or, you know, talking about things that don't matter to the people. What's the best medium that you see to communicate our ideas going forward? This month, The Brian Nichols Show is sponsored by Stay Away From Libertarians, written by friend of The Brian Nichols Show, Remzo Martinez. In Stay Away From Libertarians, Martinez leads us on a journey through the many myths surrounding libertarianism, explores the libertarian worldview, and debunks these preconceived notions one by one in a humorous but thorough manner. Stay Away From Libertarians has received rave reviews from Low Conservative, The Daily Wire, Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, The Lions of Liberty, and of course, yours truly, Brian Nichols, here from The Brian Nichols Show. Get your copy today by visiting rwmartinez.com forward slash book. Again, rwmartinez.com forward slash book. Don't miss out on this masterpiece by Remzo Martinez. rwmartinez.com forward slash book. Sure. Well, I mean, so first of all, there's a lot of candidates around the country that I'm very optimistic on. Um, and I think that if we can, if we can get to the point, you know, Cliff Maloney, as I mentioned earlier, president of Young Americans for Liberty, he's doing a great program where he's focusing in on state reps. It's Operation Win at the Door. And he's focusing in on state reps and winning state rep races. And their goal is to get 250 state reps elected by 2022 so that those people go on to run for Congress, U.S. Congress for the Senate, and they can join Rand Paul and Justin Amash and Thomas Massey in Congress and, and actually affect some change. And he's having tremendous success with that already. So that's one way. And obviously that's through going around knocking on doors. He puts students up or activists up for a month in any given market and they go around and they knock on doors and they knock on usually 30, 40, 50,000 doors in any given race. And they're having tremendous success with that. I think they have 21 victories so far, if I'm not mistaken. Um, adding to that digital media, doing it in such a way that, again, you're not overcomplicating things and you're sticking to um, to messaging and points that matter to people. Believe it or not, people do not care about what we care about at all. <laughs> they don't. They like they all that they want to hear is a few sound bites about what is going what's going to make them make you different. And this is the perfect opportunity because Republicans and Democrats are extremely unpopular. But until we give them a viable option, something that they can truly get behind, they're going to stay the majority. Right. That's well, that's why I think one of the best the best slogans I've ever heard was from Matt Kibbe. Don't hurt people. Don't take people's stuff. I mean, if if there's ever a phrase that we could say to people and they like, what does it mean to be a libertarian? I think that's like one of the most go-to phrases you can say because it really encapsulates what we believe, but it's, it's so broken down and so basic that, you know, pretty much anybody from four to, to 94 can understand what it means. I think we need to be able to remove ourselves from the you know, talking about Mises or Rothbard or or you know Hayek and and talk in real everyday language to people because that's how people think. Yep. 
No, I agree. But what's it, you know, what I guess what's it going to take? I think that I think that there's going to be outside factors. I think that there's going to be things that happen. You know, again, uh, I read an article today that Trump is considering decriminalization or that very soon there's going to be policy coming out of the White House for cannabis uh, on a federal level. And he seems to really be tapped into that's one thing the guy has right. He is tapped into what matters to people and hot but you know what I mean? It's just those particular hot button topics that he seems to really latch on to and do well with. And it I think it's keeping him alive, candidly. <laughs> it is because people look at so I just know from my experience as as a recovering Republican and being from upstate New York, a lot of people are in the Trump camp and that's what they love about him. They they think, you know, he's this 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 truth sayer. He doesn't care what people think about him. He's gonna tell you like it is and and you can take it or leave it. And a lot of people they, they eat that up because they're like, yes, we need somebody who's who's not gonna be a politician that's not gonna just tell me what I want to hear. He's gonna tell me the truth. He's gonna make sure that you know, he's gonna make America work like a business, make America great again. And I'm like, all right. I mean, we'll yeah. See. Ironically, <laughs> he's a freaking liar. Obviously, we know he lies through his teeth constantly. But but the funny thing is, is he still? But he's still policy wise. I he's probably. As good as any president in the last 20, 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. he, he just he is absolutely full of, you know what, you know, <laughs> which that's the thing that drives me crazy is that I see people who so I considered myself during the election to be a never Trumper. I was like, you know what? No, I cannot pull the trigger for this guy. He, there's too many red flags. But I said, you know, once when the election's over, I will be cautiously optimistic and I will, I will take everything he does with a grain of salt. But then I see people like, no relation, but Tom Nichols, who is, um, I, actually, my dad's real name is Tom Nichols, but different Tom Nichols. Um, he's he's very uh, well-known within the more like uh, neoconservative circles. And he just wrote a piece, I think it was for The Atlantic, saying why I'm no longer a Republican. And it... Oh, it, I read that. I yeah, read that. And, and yeah. the part that like really made me upset was that like, He's like, yeah, there might be things that Trump is is doing that I agree with policy wise, but I can't support it because that's like, you know, you're a, a what do you say? He's like, you're if you're a, a woman who's with a domestic violence uh, spouse and, you know, you're just staying with him because there might be one night or so that he doesn't actually beat you. I'm like, come on, like we, we, we got to stop looking uh, at things in such hyperbolic nonsense and like actually yeah. say, okay, what's, what's the guy doing? That's good. And what's he doing? That's bad. And then as Ben Shapiro on, says, dude, you were a leftist all along. If you're going to say, Oh, make a statement like that. You were just a leftist all along. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's looking for his, his, uh, his, his opportunity to, to plant his flag. It's kind of like, um, uh, Joe Scarborough, like all for Trump, the entire primary, and then as soon as his Trump didn't need him anymore, he, he turns into one of the biggest never Trumpers on, on the, the media stage. It's like p- people see through that. And I think that, that if anything, if there's anything from the Trump phenomena, it's that people are so aware as to where people actually stand because it's it's ripped off the uh, the bandaid of trying to figure out, oh, is this person really, you know, a conservative? Is this person a populist? Is this person a liberal? But, you know, but the trouble is, I wish that they would just stick to policy, because obviously, I agree with so much of the policy. But I mean, really, what what re- the Republican Party has turned into in a lot of cases is a bunch of bullies 
who just love to see liberal tears. They just love to make them upset. I mean, if you look, if you go into YouTube and you you put uh, uh, Trump um, victory gloat reel or whatever, any of those <laughs> yep. terms in there, you're going to find hundreds of videos that are set to classical music and it's just making fun of liberals that Trump won the election or that they were wrong about the election. They love that. They love making liberals crazy. And at some point, it it's kind of like because I was always kind of that dude who would stick up for, you know, I'm, I may have been one of the cool guys or hung out with the cool kids, but I always stuck up for the dorks. You know, I never would pick on a dork. So when I see people who just want to relentlessly pick at the left with no real ideology, but just picking at the left. It makes me want to stand up for them, stick up for them for a second. Even if I don't agree with a word that they're saying, I just want to stick up for them because these guys are just assholes, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and you know what's sad? I was right there with you. And then I watched how they reacted over the past like month with the whole Kavanaugh thing. And it honestly, it made my skin crawl. I'm like, I was trying to like say, let's take some of the stuff you're saying seriously. And then and then you just turn into these these fanatical banshees screeching at any anything like whether it was legitimate or not. They're just like, oh, my God, this is this is the worst thing ever. Oh, wait, no, no, this is the worst thing ever. It's like I I, and and notice they don't give a shit. Now that now that it's all over, they don't care. I mean, it's like, oh, well, that was bad for us. And now but they, it's not like they're they're you know, they're they're trying to do anything with it beyond that. You know, they don't care anymore because it's not politically in their favor anymore, which is so sad. I mean, it's, it's just honestly that that's the worst part about everything. I mean, if there's one person to walk away from this as like the, the, the ultimate, like most terrible person, it's Diane Feinstein and how she put. Chris, uh, Christine Blasey Ford through that entire ordeal and then literally just kicks her away afterwards like, oh, you're no longer politically re relevant. I'm not going to look any more into this. And the only reason that you're even here right now is because I thought you might be able to help us delay Kavanaugh until the midterms. But uh, no, you're over now. And just that that just disgusted me to no end. And I mean, yeah. that's not even yeah. talking about like, you know, Cory Booker doing his I am Spartacus moment or Kamala Harris thinking she got uh, Brett Kavanaugh in perjury. And then so like, oh, it's just that she's bad lawyering. But uh, none nonetheless. Uh, so yep. <laughs> and I've been keeping an eye on I've been keeping an eye on CNN and it's been nothing but for for uh, recently. It was obviously Hurricane Michael. And before that, it was Kavanaugh. Like Trump was not the lead story for about 10 days. <laughs> and as soon as Hurricane Michael hit today, front page or after Hurricane Michael, a day afterwards, front page, Mueller requests answers to questions from Trump campaign. Trump says that they will comply and then Kanye West and Trump, right back to Trump. It just was like a 10-day reprieve, mm -hmm. and now it's right back to Trump. It's ridiculous. Like it never even happened. Yep. <laughs> Which is sad. Uh, well, well, that being said, uh, Mr. Visa, I wanted to give you a, a platform here to promote any upcoming works. Obviously, you're a very busy man. You mentioned you're going to be heading down to D.C. Why don't you give us a little uh, peek behind the curtain, what's taking place here as you, uh, you head down to D.C. on the I-95 corridor? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to be heading down to Young Americans for Liberty headquarters in Arlington, Virginia tomorrow, doing a live show from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern there tomorrow. And uh, they're going to be announcing 48 new endorsed candidates uh, through Operation Win at the Door. And then we've got, of course, the midterms coming up where 
we're going to be uh, extremely busy covering so many of these races, these Operation Win at the Door races. Um, heading out to Seattle for the third time for a candidate out there, Matt Dubin. Um, so many candidates, so many organizations for liberty that we're working with. And we're just getting started, obviously. I think uh, 2019 and even and, to, and into 2020, we're going to have a phenomenal year. So looking forward to it. That's what we like to hear. And uh, obviously... I think we've had a phenomenal conversation today, and I want people to be able to continue the conversation. So with that, where can folks go ahead and find you not only online for your content, but also uh, to engage with you on social media? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you can find me on social media, it's Nicholas Vieser, V-E-S-E-R, um, Nicholas V for Liberty on Facebook, um, Nicholas underscore Vieser on Twitter, and uh, go to libertylinkmedia.com for any production that you're doing. Well, uh, whether that is uh, live stream, event coverage, candidate, organization, documentary, mini documentaries, um, profiling businesses, organizations, we do it all. And I'll be sure to uh, put a link in the show notes so folks can go ahead and follow you easier on social media. But also, again, try and engage with your content. Obviously, Mr. Visa, you've been doing a phenomenal job bringing the, the, the message of liberty to people beyond our confines. And I, I cannot thank you enough for doing what you're doing. We need more folks like you in the movement. And uh, just just keep on keeping on. And just know that we're all, we're all big fans of what you're doing. Um, but with that being said, any final thoughts for today's episode? That's it, Brian. Just make liberty win, man. Make liberty win. Amen. Well, uh, Mr. Vito, I appreciate your time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed today's show, please go over and, uh, and give... Mr. Nicholas Vieser, a, a follow on social media. Check out his content. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty. But until next week, folks, it's Brian Nichols signing off on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.